everyone. Welcome back to the Financial Success Show. As always, I'm your host, uh, Jeff Eady, the president here at Blackthorn Group. And joining me is always my lovely and young assistant. <laughs> your better looking uh, half. Uh, half, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> better looking, I'll concede. Uh, oh, Kirk, really? Mr. Kirk Forsyth, our client relations manager. Kirk, how are you doing today? Not too bad, brother. How are you doing? I am fantastic, thank you. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, someone who is definitely an influencer in my life, a mentor, a friend, a boss, and a business partner. Uh, he's actually a number one international best-selling author. Uh, he started a uh, soon-to-be national company, uh, the Blackthorn Group, which is obviously who we're a part of here. And, uh, you know, on top of that, he's a, he's a heck of a guy. He gives back to the uh, youth. He's a, a judge at the DECA Youth Awards, Youth Entrepreneurship Awards at Guelph University, speaks in schools. Uh, he's also CEO of Dig It. Uh, Mr. Craig Dunkerley. Craig, are you, uh, are you on with us? I am, Jeff. <laughs> How are you doing today, sir? I'm very good, thank you. Good, good. So uh, the format of the show typically is that uh, Kirk has done his homework and his research and done a very good job of dotting his I's and crossing his T's and a little due diligence. So he's got some great questions for you. And, and uh, as per my style, I'm going to wing it once I hear some of the stuff you have to talk about. <laughs> so uh, before we... The one that's prepared. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, though, Craig, can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself that we didn't obviously cover in your intro? Well, a little bit about myself, sure. <laughs> um, you know, it kind of goes way back, but uh, I joined uh, uh, the corporate world a number of uh, years ago uh, in a plan to basically raise a family. I have a, uh, a lovely wife and uh, three wonderful children, and all adults now, by the way. And, you know, I, I started in the corporate world and kind of worked my way through it and came to a determination that uh, entrepreneurship was really who I was at. And, you know, that's what kind of brought us to where we are today. A uh, number of companies that I don't know if we'll talk about today at all, but, um, you know, I like to stay active. Uh, I like to grow. I like to continually challenge myself and, and challenge the team, as you know, Jeff. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> I haven't slept That's in the a six nice months. Little <laughs> yeah, I haven't slept in the six months I've been here. <laughs> you know, it, it, it generates growth. It generates change. Uh, it's a constantly bringing new people into the organization. And it, it becomes the lifeblood of, of the organization and, and me and uh, yourselves as well, I believe, to some extent as well. And it, it just keeps things moving and growing. It creates excitement. And, and I love it. I don't like sitting still. I like to be continually moving and expanding into new areas. Uh, my mind doesn't stop. It's always looking at new opportunities and new ways to do things. And I think as we bring that into Blackthorn and we bring it in uh, through you guys and the girls in the organization to the clients, to the prospects, you know, we generate a lot of opportunity for people. And, and that's what I enjoy. That's what I love. You talk about DECA. I absolutely love giving back to DECA. And I love what we're able to create and bring back for our clients. And, you know, um, that's what it's about to me. That's that's huge. You know, I, as much as I joke about the fact that I haven't slept in, in six months since I've been here, um, it's incredible to be around people like you, Craig. Um, someone who just says, 
yes, when an idea comes up and then not, not, you know, here's the problems, but how do we make it work? Yeah, absolutely. That's- yes. And then, you know, let's figure it out. If it's something that can bring value to the organization, to the team, to the clients, yes, yeah. do it and figure out how it works. Yeah. Well, I, you know, last, last month you and I spent three days together and, and, um, it was probably the most empowering three days I've ever spent because there was no bad idea between us and, and our, our, you know, our strategies really aligned in what we wanted and what we wanted to bring to people and, and what we want to do for people. Um, but I have to say from my perspective, and it's not, it's not kissing up. It's just, it's true. It's, it is the truth that it was incredible to spend those three days, you and I in that session and, and really be able to develop ideas and, and come up with new stuff that makes, well, hopefully the world better. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, Jeff. That was a, a phenomenal three days. A lot of brainstorming going on and uh, how much you brought to the table was phenomenal. I, I really, you know, as we brought you into uh, the Blackthorn organization, uh, I'd seen so much in you that was in line with what we're doing and what we can do for other individuals. And as we sat and, you know, brainstormed and, and mixed ideas through that three days, I saw it tenfold as to um, how you are, are very much in line with our, with our goals, our, our plans, our visions and how you can take that to the staff and, and to the people out there who are really looking for it, want it, or, or maybe even don't even know they're looking for it, but maybe just need it. So uh, thank you, Jeff, for, for bringing so much into those three days and what you're bringing to the team and, and our clients alike. Well, thanks a lot for that. Now, Kirk, do something. Oh, hey, you guys are having a great conversation. I don't want to just intrude on this. And I don't know. But that was quite a resume, Craig, that Jeff kind of spoke about when he first introduced you. But I feel like our clients and our listeners right now just want to know the whole Blackthorn story. And for anybody watching right now online, if you have any comments, please put them down below and we will answer any question that you have. But um, where did the whole idea of Blackthorn start? Wow. <laughs> How far back do you want to go, Kirk? <laughs> well, when you're in your mother's womb. Uh, you... <laughs> uh, Jeff, I'm going to kick you off the show again if we go down that road. You know, road. that, no. that might have been it, but I, I can't talk. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, not going uh, too much uh, into, into the background, but I think if I really look back, it, it started probably when I was 12 years old. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was uh, entrepreneurial at the time. Uh, I had a paper out like uh, most young uh, uh, people have or something along that lines, delivering flyers, whatever, but I had a paper out. And I also started up my own business on the side where I was shoveling driveways through the winter and mowing lawns through the summer. Uh, it was just to put money in my pocket and go out and do some things I enjoyed to do at the time. But, you know, it kept me busy. It, it, it kept me occupied. It, it gave me something to do that excited me, that was meeting new people, talking to people, and, and building a bit of a business. So as I, you know, kind of moved into my, my later years from 12 years old to like being 16, 17 years old, I then took that into uh, flipping cars. Uh, I would buy a car. Uh, my old profession. <laughs> I, 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 I flipped cars. a couple cars in my time, but they ended up on the roofs, literally. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, I love cars. I love motorcycles. And when I was 16, bought my first car. It was a, it was a beat up car. Uh, I fixed it up. I drove it for a few months, sold it. I said, well, that was pretty good. So I bought another one, 
It was beat up, fixed it up, drove it for a few months, sold it. <laughs> Pretty cool, <laughs> right? So I did that for a little bit, and then I joined the Zellers organization. Uh, actually, within that period, I joined the Zellers organization. I became a corporate person, uh, got onto the management team, and spent a number of years there, probably from being 16 years old to my early 30s. And really came to the realization that uh, the corporate world wasn't serving me, although I had expanded through the organization very quickly. One of the youngest store managers in the organization grew very nicely, uh, went into home office, became a buyer. You know, I thought I was set for life, but it just wasn't fulfilling me. And I knew that the corporation wasn't looking out for me ultimately, that uh, it was all about just the bottom lines, which I produced but it, it kind of started to disconnect from who I was and what I felt I could do for people. And on the side, I had been doing some, some accounting, some real estate investing, and real estate investing since I was 23 years old, and that excited me. The numbers excited me. So in 2001, I decided, you know, it, it's time to leave this corporation. Uh, I saw the writing on the wall with the Zellers, which many people saw a number of years later if they hadn't seen it then. And I, I knew I had to look after myself. I had to look after my family. I had to do something different. And that is really where Blackthorn started. Uh, although all the, the, the years before had led up to it, the experiences, the investing, even the flipping cars and, and shoveling driveways, you know, went to flipping houses. Uh, while I was working in Zellers, I flipped a couple of houses, got down and dirty and figured out how to do it myself, had tenants. So all that led up to when I finally left Zellers and said, you know what, I can do this myself. But what really happened then is I immersed myself into it. It was no longer part-time, I was immersed. And I know there's a number of our, our people who are probably listening today who do some personal development and what have you. And I do a lot of personal development. And I've always found that when you immerse yourself into something, it just goes tenfold and it just grows from there. And I immersed myself into taxes and investing and figuring out how to write off almost everything on your taxes, figuring out why the banks were making so much money than, than we were as investors, and then just breaking it down and bringing it to the clients. And, and I'd have to say that's where Blackthorn really got going and really started to generate something different than everybody else had out there, different than what everybody else had to offer. And when I saw that, when I felt that, when the clients started to feel it, started bringing on staff, just pumped me up. And it, it was the only way to go from there. That's, That's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Zellers in there, Craig. Kirk, are you old enough to remember Zellers? I remember going to Zellers and there used to be this little <laughs> diner in Zellers that had the best French fries. <laughs> I don't know if that was at every Zellers, but that was in sandwich too. Yeah, I remember going in there when I was in like kindergarten or something. Oh, wow. You do your shopping and then you walk out right into the diner. Uh, That's my memory of Zellers anyways. You, uh, you actually, you, you touched on something there that, that, that really hits a, a nerve with me, Craig. And that's not being fulfilled by your corporate life. Um, I can certainly relate to that. I, I, my background was in the film business before I got into money and real estate and stuff. And uh, I, I hit that wall where I, I had absolutely no fulfillment in, in the things that I was doing, and I realized it was time to get out. Do you, have, uh, do you have any words of wisdom that you would give to people saying, you know, if you're at that point in your life, here's a, a step or two to take? 
Well, I can only talk from my own experience. Uh, my own experience was to create a plan B. Um, walking away from something you don't enjoy can't always necessarily be the best option. Uh, you do still have responsibilities, you still have uh, uh, fulfillments you have to do in life. But for me and from my experience, the biggest thing that is necessary is to create a plan B. And again, on the experiences I have, what, what I did is start your own business. Get, find something you're passionate about. Find something you love, something that you can immerse yourself in. Figure out how to monetize it. <laughs> and if you don't know how to do that, there's lots of people around who can help you learn how to monetize your, your passion and, and, and then just take it from there and keep it as your plan B until it can become your plan A. Once your plan B can become your plan A, walking away from what you don't like is scary. It is very scary, but it's a lot easier to do. And doing it with people who have the same experience, people who have done it. You know, one of the things that I learned early on from my personal development is find somebody who's done, find somebody who's been successful in something you want to do, and, you know, connect with them, hook up with them, work with them, network with them, get into their life, get into their space, see how they do it, because if they can do it, you can do it. And that's really a lot of what I did. I networked and I met with people who had success in what I wanted. And as being an analytic, you know, I love numbers. I dug into numbers. But back to your question uh, there, Jeff, sometimes I go off on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to your question there is, yeah, find something you're passionate about. Find people who are, are in that space and, and successful in it. Connect with them and um, build a plan B until you can leave what you're not enjoying there. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so as we're talking about this, and I know you're, you're a bit um, humble when it comes to it. But, oh, he's bringing out the book. But uh, number one international bestseller, co-author to uh, uh, Empowering Women to Succeed. Uh, I like to call you the millionaire maker. Uh, now I believe it is six people that you've coached become millionaires over the last uh, decade or so. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, you talk about... Stepping stone. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, you know, the, the story of Mary that you speak about in the book about, you know, how some people take action and some people don't take action. Can you tell us a little bit about the people who did choose to take action once you showed them the path? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a big part of it. Uh, when we do talk about um, taxes, when we do talk about investing, you know, we're, we're talking with people about stepping out of maybe their comfort zone or what everybody else is doing. You know, everybody else is not having success. Many people are struggling, many people are challenged, yet everybody continues to follow what they've been told, what they've heard, what they've seen other people do, and they just don't have success. And when I had the opportunity to write in the Empower Women to Succeed book, I, I took it as an opportunity to make a comparison. I took six of our clients, it was an empowering women book. So I took six of our female clients and I looked at them and I identified what was the difference. We had three that were uh, one a millionaire already, one very close to being a millionaire and the third one on her way to be a millionaire, which she now is. And then I took three clients who had the exact same information. 
Blackthorn and, and, and I, Black, sorry, myself and, and them would sit down every three months, look at their finances, you know, have some fun with it. Look at what, what happened the last three months, what might happen in the next three months. We have no idea what might happen in the next three months, but something's going to happen. And we sat down and we looked at it and we each three months built a plan. Okay, this is where we're at. This is where we would like to be in three months. Boom, let's do it. And, you know, really those meetings were just about getting them connected with their money, not as much as um, making those plans, but getting them connected. Because when they got connected, the plans tend to just fall into place and things started Mm. to happen. But again, back to uh, your question, Jeff, is what is the difference? The three ladies who are now millionaires from that chapter, they took action. They actually... Mm -hmm sat through those little meetings every three months and they took it to heart and they took some action. And although they were very, very small steps that they took every single year, it compounded on itself to a point where they could officially call themselves millionaires. The other three continued to dwell in what they'd always done, what they'd always heard and what they always thought. And it didn't allow them to take the small steps forward that would have made a huge difference in their life. And it's not always big steps. And in fact, it's usually not big steps. It's usually Mm -hmm. quite small steps. But when you take those steps, you get connected and those steps compound on top of each other. The results can be huge. Well, that's exactly it. Tony Robbins talks about if if you want to build a wall, you don't you don't set out to build the wall. You set out to lay one brick at a time to the best of your ability. Absolutely. And eventually you end up with the wall. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. Craig, can uh, you give us an example or tell us of a time when you felt like you just wanted to give up, throw in the towel and call it a day and how you overcame that? Well, that's when I was at Zellers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what, uh, Kirk, it's a very interesting question. Um, this business went from a one-man show uh, many, many years ago. It was just me. And then I employed my first employee, and that was amazing. I had somebody to help me and keep things going. But then we really started to expand, and we needed more help. And as we really started to grow, it became a different organization. It became a situation where I could no longer be the individual who connected with every single client that we had in the organization. And I wouldn't say, Kirk, that I was ever at a point that I was going to throw in the towel or felt like I was going to throw in the towel. But the company was evolving in such a way that I was losing some of my personal connections. Or I shouldn't say losing my personal connections. I still have my personal connections with the early day clients that I work with, and I still do. But I was having to let go of uh, having a personal relationship with every single client. And that was very challenging for me and very difficult. But what it did is force me to ensure that I was building a team of people around me that would do the same thing, that would emulate what I had always felt was necessary and be personal and work very close with the client and get to know them. 
Well, one of the things that we do, I talked about those quarterly meetings with those ladies. I sat around their kitchen table every three months. I became their friend. I became connected with them and had true feelings towards their success. In fact, I'd often look at their results and their results, negative or positive, would affect me far more than my own because I was so committed to their success. And building the organization in such a way that we had a team around us, a team at Blackthorn that would treat and feel the same way about the clients was very important. And that can be difficult to find. Very fortunate that we have been able to build and find a team and create a team that does work with our clients and feel that way has been enormous for me. And as you know, bringing yourself in and, and Jeff, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, that's important. Our, our, our clients deserve the personal touch that I believe we give them and that they, they should have. And when they have that, they will become successful because we keep them connected. And I believe that's where we differ from other accounting firms. I mean, I go to a lot of networking events and I meet all these other people that are in the financial world and they're just there to, I don't know, they don't really hold your hand to take you through the steps. And I feel like Blackthorn has that personal touch that's kind of lacking out in that industry. Yeah, it's important. You know, people, people have very, very busy lives. We all have very busy lives. And I've, I've attended numerous events myself, as, as I said, and I know you are doing as well, Kirk. And I, I've seen so many people attending an event get such powerful information. And then they leave that event all gung-ho, ready to go. It's Sunday evening. Wow, that was exciting. Three days of excitement. And then Monday, what happens? Life, Nothing. right? They're right back into life. And all of a sudden, that Sunday, Saturday, Friday stuff they learned is back on the back shelf. It's on the back burner. Uh, a month from then, it's further back. Two months from then, it's further back. Three months from then, it's further back. So in our goal to get connected with our clients, when I met them every three months, we do our Millionaires Club every three months for that total purpose, just to bring them back every three months. I know Hashem and his team, when they get clients into business and start their HST accounts, they have them do their HST every three months. We don't do that because we want them working every three months or because we want to work on their books every three months. We do it because it gets you connected. It brings you back into the circle every three months. Coming back into the circle every three months and just small confirmation or conversations, whether they're five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, some of them will go on for an hour. It gets you connected. And when you get connected, you start to build on it. And when you build on it, it's phenomenal. So you touched on something very important there that, that I consider extremely important. Uh, and I would think that anybody in business does, and that's getting connected or, or building relationships with oh, people. Oh, huge. Um, and, and one of the great tools we use here is send out cards. Yes, it is, yes. And, uh, you know, I'm going to drop the bomb, dun, 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 MLM. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to get into that, too, but you beat me to it. You know, that's, that's one of the huge things that drew me here. I, I started my, you know, when I left my film career, I got involved in a multi-level marketing company. And uh, um, it changed me. It changed everything about my life. I didn't even own a suit at that point. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it, it taught me about leadership, sales 
sales, personal development, all of those things. And, and that was one of the things that really drew me to, to Craig and to Blackthorn is that, you know, MLM is a huge part of what we do. Can you talk a little bit about how you got introduced to that world and why you continue to live in that world? Especially when, you know, we're, we're bricks and mortar here, but that's by a lot of people considered to be uh, um, not a legitimate business. Although, you, well, yeah, I didn't want to go there, but <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your experience in that world, Craig, and, and what drew you to it? Yes, I definitely can. I was uh, introduced to uh, MLM um, probably about 10 years ago now. And it, it was quite interesting because for me, it was something I'd never come across in my life. And I know so many people oh, really? had. And when I first was introduced to it, uh, I was actually at a uh, convention in Toronto. And um, I had, you know, recently, well, probably been in business for myself for about uh, eight years at that point, somewhere around there. And uh, I attended a convention and, and solely to actually see a, an individual speak who eventually became my mentor and my mentor in business, my mentor in marketing. So it was a phenomenal event for me. But while I was there, uh, as I mentioned, I do like to immerse myself into things. I was at this convention and there were a number of other presentations going on. So since I'm here, let's drop in and have a look at them. And I dropped in into one that was an MLM, a network marketing company. And I sat there and I analyzed what they were saying and the structure they were talking about and how it worked. And I just went, wow, this is incredible. This is phenomenal. This is an amazing structure for building a business. And I joined them. I joined with them. I was very excited. I learned the product. I learned the business. And then on the side, I started getting personal development which was incredible. You know, while I was with the Zellers organization, we every now and then as senior management would go out on retreats and get a little bit of personal development. Like it was a once a, once a year type thing. But when I moved into the network marketing industry, all of a sudden I was getting personal development available to me at, at any time, at any level. And it was up to me to use it or not use it. And I remember my son Jordan at the time, he was 15 years old. And I took him to the first convention that I attended for the for the company in Las Vegas. Lucky kid. Wow, 15 years old running around in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> that's every teenager's dream. That That's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking <laughs> being introduced to the world, but you can tell the difference between uh, the old bull and the young bull. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he had the opportunity, and I had the opportunity at that convention to meet with the likes of Bob Proctor and Darren Hardy. And, wow. and actually Ooh, spend time cool. with them. And then through the network marketing um, company, I, I very soon got a full day session with Bob Proctor that just blew my mind as hmm. things that opened up, the opportunities and thinking that it opened up and what that could do for, for anybody's life and, and, and you know take you into a new level. That's now taken me down to spending time working with Tony Robbins and being in his organization. And it's just phenomenal work and take you and where you can grow from it. And that's just a side benefit of network marketing. That's just a side benefit that if you take, choose to take advantage of, you can, it's there. And I did, my son Jordan did absolutely love it. It's, it's driven our life to whole new levels, but then to really look at network marketing, you talked about the Blackthorn organization for a second there, Jeff, and it being bricks and mortar. 
you know, I'm a strong believer. Blackthorn is a strong believer that you got to protect every penny you earn. And every penny that you send out there in paying taxes is money out of your pocket that is hurting your livelihood and your family's livelihood. Yes, we got to pay taxes, but we need to minimize it and keep that money as much as possible to ourselves to build the lives that we really deserve to live. And when I have a bricks and mortar business, the Blackthorn business, which is bricks and mortar, I can really only promote that business locally if I want to bring people in to do their taxes. And I know that's not 100% true because we are expanding that. Right, Jeff? <laughs> but on the surface, it's really a local business. And I can only promote it locally. And there's only so many things I can write off. When I look at a network marketing company, most network marketing companies are global. You can work that business anywhere in the world. You can work it from a beach. You can work it from uh, a mountain. You can work it from any places that you, from the, the side of the swimming pool at a resort, you can work that business. You are now working in open space that almost everything in your life, almost everything in your life becomes a tax write-off. And when almost everything in your life becomes a tax write-off, you take your you take your tax rate so low. I believe Jeff, in some of your examples, you have it down at like six percent, as opposed to some people who are paying thirty and forty percent. Just imagine bringing your tax rate from thirty to forty percent down to six percent or ten percent or fifteen percent. That money in your pocket. Network marketing makes that so possible. And yeah. finally. You know, you got that personal development, you got the tax write-offs, keeping money in your own pocket, and there's an opportunity to build wealth. To me, being in the financial world, being an analytic, it's a no-brainer. Find yeah. the right company, find something you're passionate about, and run with it. Make it your plan B. Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, you, you touched on a lot of things I wanted to comment on there. Personally, I, I spent about, uh, oh gosh, about five, six years in that business, and, and it really changed who I was and what I knew and, and my education. But the barriers to entry are so low. I mean, if you look at what it costs to start a network marketing business, uh, sometimes as low as, you know, 50, 60 bucks. Well, yeah, send out cards was, what, $67 for myself? Yeah, and, and all of a sudden you've got an international business that you can run from anywhere, as you say. Um, but also, it's it, it really is a personal development plan with a compensation plan attached to it. And when you look at the barrier to entry, I mean, the boardroom table that we're sitting at here was what six, seven hundred dollars, just for a table in a traditional business. Right. And this table does not take us internationally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it helps with this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Craig, what are some tools that you use every single day to help grow your business that you can kind of share with our listeners? You know, little tips, tricks, and nuggets that you can share. Uh, the, the, really, it, it, it's leveraging the people around you. Um, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. And owning your own business and growing your own business, if you're the only person doing it, it's pretty much like having a job. You work an hour, you earn an hour. Now, I'm not talking network marketing right now. I'm talking bricks and mortar. Network marketing, obviously, you build some residual, so every hour starts to generate more residual. But in a typical traditional business, um, it becomes a job. And 
the only way to step out of that is to actually bring other people into the organization. And that is employees, and that does take some time to build. But prior to that, networking, getting out there and meeting people, because you don't just have to have employees who can work for you and with you. You can also have other people out there. You know, getting out there and meeting other people and helping them. First and foremost, I love going to networking events. I do get an opportunity at networking events to share what I do. But when I attend a networking event, it's more about who's there and what do they need. If I can find out what they need, what is their biggest challenge today in business? If I can help them with that challenge, then it's more likely that they are going to work their way into a relationship in some way in business with us. So it's not about going to a network event, network marketing, or sorry, a networking event and selling your own wares, although you do want to share them, you do want to share your skills, you do want to share what you can do for people, it's finding out what they need. When you can find out what they need, you might not be able to deliver what they need, but chances are you do know somebody who can. And if you can make that connection and help that people, that person, those people, and then you go again and you find out where they're at now and you can help them again. Again, it might not be you. It might be somebody else who can help them. The relationship starts to grow. And when people truly feel that you are there for them, whether it be your network marketing business, whether it be your bricks and mortar business, or you're just building relationships, when they truly feel that you're there to help them, it grows exponentially. Well, that's what Zig Ziglar always, uh, always says, is you can have anything in the world you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. Absolutely, absolutely. That's huge. Um, I, I kind of want to take a, a, a bit of a detour from the track that we're on here because this is something that super, is super interesting to me. Um, watching the real estate market as it's been over the last decade or so since the uh, collapse in 2008, uh, I watched Detroit. You know, at, a, at one point you could buy a home down there for a dollar. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I didn't take action because I was young and inexperienced and, and I didn't know what I was doing. And, of course, I, I believe one of the stipulations for a dollar building is that you actually had to live in Detroit. And, and not being American, that was very difficult to do. But, uh, Craig, you've been in, uh, an investor in Detroit for, what, about four years now? Yes. And, uh, obviously, you had to do some research and learn about the market. And, and now you've got uh, how many how many doors, uh, I guess we'll call them, as opposed to houses. But how many doors do you own now there? 142 with other partners. Wow, that was fast. 142 wow. doors in Detroit. Uh, and, and personally, I, I think you'd be a large part responsible for the rehab that's going on in Detroit and, uh, um, you know, building homes for people to live in. But can you kind of tell me the, the process, the mental process you went through um, first learning about Detroit, but then more importantly, taking action? Because, I mean, cross-border investment is, is scary. Oh, yeah. Especially in, in a, a city like Detroit where you heard everybody on the news talking about all the bad things. What, what was your mental process that took you from living in Brampton to, to investing in Detroit? <laughs> it, it, it was a, a, a fairly lengthy process that um, you know could have been consolidated but uh, I can walk you through it so first and foremost uh, being a real estate investor ever since I was uh, uh, 23 25 years old 
uh, when uh, my wife Tana and I, we bought our first house and we rented out our basement. And then within a couple of years, we had a couple more duplexes that we just expanded on and, and used the, um, the, the information that uh, we learned from Robert Kiyosaki and his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and really just started to compound on real estate. That gave me a very strong, comfortable knowledge and skill of investing in real estate, residential real estate in Canada. So I was very comfortable investing in Canada. I've done it for a number of years. Felt I was knowledgeable and very capable. But then got to the point as to seeing what was going on in the US and how things crashed and burned and how there were opportunities left, right and center there to invest. And I said, I need to invest down there. Blackthorne needs to be investing down there. But it was a completely different animal. It was the United States and I had no experience in the United States. And sometimes when you have no experience in something, although I had the real estate experience here, not knowing the US, I was very timid to make that step. And it took me a number of years to finally say, you know what, we need to do this. So it kind of came about by, by, by luck uh, at a networking event, uh, a, per, a personal development event, actually a business development event. I met somebody excuse me, who had experience and knowledge in buying tax liens, tax deed, hmm. buying, buying houses from tax auctions. So first and foremost, I'm now in a position where, okay, I want to do this. I have no experience in it, but I have met somebody who does. The ball started rolling. So when I connected with Paul and we, we really got going on looking at the U.S., Paul was actually the guy on the ground who would go down and look at the properties and he would spend days and days down there. He'd come back, he'd look at property after property after property. And I remember one day he was down there and he'd looked at about uh, uh, 12 properties and he's talking to the phone on the phone with me. I was back in the Brampton office and he's talking with me on the phone. And I said, Paul, how many houses have you looked at today? And he said about a dozen. I said, do you have the sales sheets for them? He said, yeah, absolutely, I've got them all here. He's sitting in his Lincoln and I said, spread them out, spread them out over your dashboard, spread them out over your seat. And it, it was time to stretch. Um, even though he'd had experience in tax liens, even though I had experience in real estate, we were now in Detroit and Detroit had suffered some terrible, terrible crashing of the market. So it was scary, but it was time to stretch. If we were ever going to do this, we needed to actually do it. So I said to Paul, I said, today is today. we got to stretch. I said, which is the best property that you've looked at today? Which is the best property? And he said, this one right here on Balfour. I said, buy it. <laughs> said, what do you mean? I said, buy it. How much is it? He said, well, it's $27,000. It's $27,000 for us to do this. I said, how much rehab does it need? He says, probably about, you know, seven to 10,000. Buy it. He went to, uh, he went back to the, um, this was actually a, uh, a bank lien, not a tax lien. Uh, he went to the agent who was representing the bank and said, we want to put an offer on this property, $27,000. And three weeks later, I was down in Detroit, signing the paperwork at the bank. Hmm. 
to buy it from the bank and we own the property. That was number one. That's huge. That's Three huge. months later, we went into the tax lien auction with $100,000 and bought 33 properties. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's cool. It took us a That's year cool. to buy one. It took us three months to buy 33 more. It was all about the stretch. And we weren't risking the farm. We were putting $27,000 down and we needed, another, and not down, we were paying 27,000 total for it. And we needed another seven to 10 to rehab it. We were putting in 35, $36,000. We weren't risking the farm. But that one stretch made it all happen. But then you know, I, I... just to take it to the next level, Jeff, um, sorry to interrupt you there, is once we bought that first one, if we were gonna expand from there, we really needed expertise. So we started working the Detroit area and found out who was buying in auctions, how much were they were buying, what experience did they have? And that is when we came across a number of property managers, one of them that we still work with today after four years, she does most of our acquisition and most of our rehab for us. And the year before we bought in that auction where we bought 33 houses, she had bought three hundred. She knew Detroit. She'd lived there all of her life. She knew how to acquire in tax auctions and she knew how to rehab them and rent them. Is that somebody you think we needed to get connected with? Oh, huge. huge. Now I have no fear, no concern, anything about walking into Detroit and buying a house and duplicating it. We duplicated it over in Cleveland. Now looking at duplicating it in Florida. So it was just that one house, that one stretch, and then connecting with somebody who had success. And wow, here we are today. That's huge. You're talking about the, the one stretch, but that really relates back to talking about Mary and, and the fact that, that she took action. Absolutely. Yeah. Without action, there is no result. She didn't stand you know? on the sidelines. And it, it, it's cyclical. Once you start into action, you, you get a result, which builds your belief, which tells you you have the potential, which, you know, it just becomes this great cycle of momentum. Yeah. Um, now, of course, there's the other side to that where you, you take an action, you don't get the result you want, and, and people can spiral downwards that way. But it's really huge to say, you know, you just <laughs> you took a shot and it worked. And that's, you know, that's a huge lesson. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I think it was Rain, Wayne Gretzky who said, uh, you miss all the shots you don't take. And, yeah, yeah um, you miss 99% of the shots that you don't take. You 100%. <laughs> and, and, you know. His number was 99. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was 99%. No, because if you don't take a shot, how are you going to make a shot? Uh, miss 100% of the shots that you don't And that's a hockey guy, too. I should know that. So, you know, I've, I've, over the growth of Blackthorn, we have taken a lot of shots at some things. And there's some that haven't been successful. But I tell you. From my experience, when you do take the shots, you take more shots, you take another one, you take another one, you take another one, you know, some of them stick, some of them might fail. And it's those ones that stick that then you grow on. And before you know it, you can't believe where you've come from. So many people don't step out of their comfort zone. That one stretch has produced enormous results. There's been other stretches that ooh, maybe we should pull back from that one. By taking a stretch here, a stretch here, a stretch here, 
looking at those opportunities and, and, and saying yes, as you, as you said early on as we started talking here today, Jeff, saying yes, if you see something that has an opportunity for you, your family, the people you're with, and it's legal and it can help you out, say yes, and then figure it out from there. And those yeses, so many of them can become successes. Some of them won't be, but when you do take them, you will find you will have results. So let me ask you, um, you we talked about missing 100% of the shots that you don't take, 100% Kirk, not 99. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell us about a shot you did take that missed? (sighs) (laughs) Can you tell it publicly? (laughs) Well, um, I could say Zeller's was one of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, even 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 that, I spent uh, 18 years at Zeller's, and uh, I got a lot of knowledge. I got a lot of skill. I worked with a lot of great people. So although it didn't produce uh, a career that was going to take me to retirement and give me everything I desired in life, I still got a lot out of it. I still yep. got a lot out. Um, we did, although we bought all the houses in Detroit and we continue to grow there, we did buy one house in Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't say it's a failure. Um, it's worth $20,000. It's renting out for $650 a month. But it hasn't grown in value. Uh, we paid 19000 for it, 18008 And it's still worth only $20,000 but it's cash flowing at $300 a month. So I wouldn't exactly call it a failure, but it was a space that we stepped into, found that there's no growth here for us. So let's not buy any more. We'll just hang on to this one and we'll keep our focuses on Detroit. So really what you're saying is don't focus on what you you couldn't accomplish, focus on the good parts of it. Absolutely. See it as it actually is. Yep. And then then focus on, on what makes it better, right? Absolutely. That's huge. A lot of people really, you know, they fail and, and they see failure as, as, oh my gosh, I failed and I should give up now. But really, a failure is just an opportunity to learn. You learn that you shouldn't be in Cleveland for any more than what you got. But, you know, that's as far as failures go, I'm, I'm all right with that one. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's, there's lessons in, ev- in everything. Um, you know, I know we talked about network marketing, MLM there for a little bit. There's, you know, there's a number of people that will go into a network marketing organization and they won't find the success they want, right? Well, they still have the opportunity to learn from, from great mentors. They still have the opportunity to have great tax refunds, but they may not hit the success that they expected in that business. There's nothing wrong with that because along the way, whether that's a one-year, two-year, three-year path, they are learning. I learned mm-hmm. so much going into network marketing. They are learning. And if they take that learner that they got and they go to another business, you know, they take those lessons with them. And when you pile those lessons into the next one, it just compounds. Yeah. And eventually you find what works for you. When you find what works for you, then you can grow it, build it. And if it gets to a point where it is working itself, it is working with a team, whether it be business partners or employees, then you can start to say, oh, now, where else do I want to step out and grow? And that's really what happened with Blackthorn. It grew from a point that something that I was very passionate about, grew it to a point where I had a great team around me that could run it and not a guy to sit around and do nothing. Okay, what can I go do now? 
and I built the next business, turned it over to some great people. What's next? Build the next business, turn it over to great people. And it's just grown to a level that I never expected, never expected. Now, keeping in mind, I want to bring up the shiny spoon. Um, it's not about just jumping into something and it doesn't feel right and jumping into something else and jumping into something else and jumping into something else. It's about getting committed, building it, learning from it, growing it. If it gets to a point where, yeah, no, nope, this isn't the right thing, take the step to the next one and take those lessons with you. Well, that's, you know, that, that is difficult to figure out. Um, a, once you've got something and, and made your decision that you're going to stick with it and, and work through it. Also figuring out where the point is between being, uh, um, you know, someone who's persevering versus someone who's just stubborn and, and you should move on. That's, yeah, that's a tough yeah. one. Just yeah. before we let you go, Craig, um, I've heard this story and I wonder if you could share it with us about how or if it's true that you were actually able to write off your dog. <laughs> I think it's the coolest story ever. I've heard it, but just for the people watching right now, just before we let you go, because I see that we are running out of a little bit of time. Um, can you share that with us? Absolutely. <laughs> it seems to be one of the favorites. There, there's a number of them that I get. Oh, it's my for. favorite for sure. It be a favorite. So, um, you know, I, I, I talk about this story as to, you know, before you buy anything, before you buy anything, uh, you first need to be in business so that you can actually use your expenses against your income and reduce your income in that lower tax uh, bracket. Bring yourself into that lower tax bracket, pay less tax. But I say this about everything. So when my family wanted to go buy a puppy, Lola is that puppy, she's not a puppy anymore. But when my family wanted to go buy a puppy, I had to step back. And I don't want to sound um, uh, disingenuous to my, to my kid. <laughs> but I did have to step back and say, okay, if I'm going to spend, if we're going to spend this amount of money on this, how are we going to relate it to our business? How can we use this newfound thing, this newfound love in our life, and actually use the cost of it to help us in our business? So imagine this. This is about, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe seven years ago now, so I'm not going to reveal my age, but I was a 43-year-old man at the time, I guess. Is that in dog years? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so imagine this. Uh, I'm a business owner. Uh, I always like sharing what my business is. We talked a little bit earlier about you go to a network marketing or you go to a networking event, sorry. And the last thing you want to do is blurt out and start talking about what your business is. You got to find out what other people uh, need, who they are, where they're at, you know, have some interest in their life before you even stop to think about sharing anything about your own life. So imagine this, I'm a 43-year-old man. We have a beautiful park in our subdivision here. And I go out to that park and I sit down on the park bench, right? There's people all around me, possible business partners, possible clients all around me. If I sit down on that bench, how many are going to come up and talk to me? Probably <laughs> none. Right? <laughs> well, the ones that do, you might, might want to be scared of. <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? <laughs> right? So, and if I approach them, well then, okay, who's this guy and, and what does he want from me, right? So now imagine that same scenario where I go to the park with Lola, a cute little white puppy, and I sit down at the park bench and Lola sits down beside me. How many people are gonna come up and talk to Lola? No, oh, huge. Almost huge. everybody, yeah. almost everybody. Now, is that an opportunity for Lola to say to them, 
hey, how are you? What brings you to the park today? What do you want to do? Right? Well, of course, it would be me probably asking the questions, but Lola opened up the door, right? As I asked them this, you know, what brings you here? Who are you? How are you enjoying the weather? Ultimately, I'm going to ask them, what did they do? They will respond and tell me what they do. What will then they ask me? What do you do? They will ask me, yeah. what do I do? Have they now opened up the gate for me to share what I do? Yeah, yes. They job. opened up the gate. I didn't open up the gate. They opened up the gate. A big difference from me walking up and telling somebody what I do to when they ask me, what do I do? Lola opened up that gate. Is there a possibility of them being a client? Maybe, maybe down the road, maybe we'll meet again, another conversation and they become a client. It's an opportunity to build the business. Lola opened up that opportunity. Lola generated the opportunity to make money. If you have something that you spend money on that opens up a bit, uh, the ability to earn money in your business, it's a tax write-off. Lola becomes a tax write-off. That's so cool. Thinking it's my favorite story. I love that story. <laughs> Think yeah, about that's... that before you spend anything. How can I relate this cost to my business? Is huge on the financial results you put into your pocket at the end of every single year, every quarter, whenever. And it makes a difference. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I'm still trying to figure out how to write off my cats. I love them, but they're pretty much useless. Yeah, that's the third time I've heard that joke today. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the first time they've heard it, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us today. This has just been an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, Craig. I mean, there's probably a million more questions yeah, that uh, Junior well, has written back. down here, but uh, we'll, we'll do, you know, the fact that it is your business. You're the CEO. Oh, we'll definitely yeah, be true. able to that's schedule true. a time with you to come back. <laughs> but uh, any final words to leave uh, leave the audience with, Craig? Uh, I, I, I just want to say, you know, if, if you're thinking about something or if anything resonates uh, in this conversation we're having today, you know, just do it. You know, don't, don't wait. Just step into the space and do it. Connect with who you need to connect with to make it happen and do something. Because if you don't do it right now, chances are you won't do it tomorrow. You think you might do it tomorrow, but all of a sudden tomorrow is a month from now, a year from now. If anything resonates in this conversation, take some action, connect with the person who can who can help you get there and just do it. And with yeah, that, guys, I'd like to thank you, Kirk, um, Jeff. Uh, I know we have Sophie and Fabian in the background making this all, all work. Thank you very much, guys. I don't thank them. They didn't do anything. I appreciate you bringing me on today. <laughs> yeah, I know we appreciate it very much, Craig. Taking time out of your schedule, we know how tough it is to uh, to actually get an hour with you. Uh, you know, a, a couple things before we go. Uh, next week, we have on our show uh, the incredible, the the lovely, the talented Miss Claudia Harvey, the Dragon Slayer. Uh, yeah, the Dragon Slayer. <laughs> she uh, she is famous for uh, uh, now partnering with Craig, but uh, getting a deal on Dragons Den about a, ten years ago, and. Uh, uh, got a deal with Kevin O'Leary. I'm, I'm proud to say now that Craig actually uh, has taken over Kevin O'Leary's uh, part of that company, and they've grown it to be across all across North America and expanding into Australia. Correct, Craig? Absolutely. 
That's massive. That's Huge. that's pretty exciting. Uh, also, uh, Craig's second book. If uh, if you don't see it on the bottom of the screen, there, the Payless uh, PaylessTaxBook.com. You can uh, reserve your copy. It's free. It's uh, um, a lot of Craig's story is in there, plus a lot of his great tax advice. And you'll also get uh, subscribed to our list so that you get these uh, the show on a regular basis. Uh, and then one more thing that uh, is super important, coming up uh, October 13th, you can see the millionaire maker himself, Mr. Craig Dunkerley, the Dragon Slayer, Claudia Harvey, myself, Kirk, come out and see us live at uh, our Financial Success Summit. Again, that's October 13th. It's a Saturday. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can either go to paylesstaxbook.com or uh, email myself at geoff at blackthorn-group.com or Kirk at, uh, what's your address again? <laughs> oh, you should know this. Uh, you can reach me at uh, Kirk, that's K-I-R-K, at blackthorn-group.com. I just and, realized uh, your name sounds like the sound I'd make if I stubbed my toe in the middle of the night. <laughs> All right, Jeff, I'm going home. I've had enough of you today. Sorry, buddy. You're done. You're cut off. Actually, I'm not sorry. That was funny. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> so, again, thank you very much, Craig, for joining us today. Uh, PayLessTaxBook.com. This is uh, I'm Jeff Eady. Um, I'm Captain Kirk. <laughs> Captain Kirk. <laughs> and, of course, the millionaire maker, Craig Dunkley, joined us today. Have a fantastic day. If you're watching this in the day, have a fantastic night if you're watching it at night. And we'll see you next Thursday live at 3 p.m. Cheers. Thanks, guys.